0: Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and this is Ascension Presents. So, I always think about this, how strange it is when we have our fast days and we have like our days of of abstaining from meat, particularly during Lent, um, that how many people have trouble with it? Like, how many of us? Like, I'm not just those people. Like, how many of us? Like, this is tough. This is a tough day. Now, think about this. Abstaining from meat on Fridays during Lent is not that difficult. Fasting on the two fast days we have in the entire church year is not difficult. I mean, you know what the the church rules for fasting are? Are what you can eat two small meals and one regular sized meal. That it's the quantity of the food you take in is does not exceed the two smaller meals combined. It's the fu- it, it's not you can eat a lot. Like in fact, I think that what what you we'd be like allowed to eat on a fast day, as at least as Americans, could potentially be more than 99% of the rest of the world eats on a feast day. So, so here's the interesting thing. It's not difficult, but it's often difficult, right? So it's, it's not difficult to— I mean, how many days that we probably go in our lives without eating meat, and don't give it a second thought, but on Fridays during Lent, oh my gosh, it's so tough! Or same kind of thing with Ash Wednesday or Good Friday. Like, no, it's just a lighter meal day. It's not even that—it's not challenging. It's not painful. Why is it so hard? Here's why I think it's so hard at times. Because those other days, I am not eating meat because I don't want to eat meat. On those other days, I'm just eating less because I chose to eat less. On Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, on the Fridays during Lent, it's hard to do those things because someone else is telling us we have to. That, that, that's the key. It's only difficult because someone else is telling us we have to do it on that day. The church comes in and says, yep, this is, if you're Catholic, this is what you have to do. There's not an option. You must do this. And that just grates on our ego, right? It grates on our pride because why? Because you and I are the same. We like to do what we like to do. I want to do what I want to do. And here comes the church and says, no, listen, you have to do what I say. Mm, That is tough. So if if I was given an escape clause, right? If I was given uh, a way to get out from underneath, the authority of the Scripture or the authority of sacred tradition, the authority of the Church, then I would be, we would probably be, probably be really tempted to take that escape clause. Now, into this situation, enter the term conscience, right? Because um, I'm sure we've all heard the idea of like, you know, you must follow your conscience, you have to obey your conscience. In fact, if you're kind of like an informed Catholic, you would realize that the Catholic Church puts a high value On conscience, John Henry Cardinal Newman, he's—oh, sorry, blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman— he called conscience the aboriginal vicar of Christ, which means that uh, the original, the aboriginal voice of God in the person, in the individual. And so we take that that one phrase that Cardinal Newman gave and we run with it, right? My gosh, well, if conscience is the voice of God himself, then I must obey my conscience because that's God talking to me. Now, Here's the, here's the, here's the tub- troubling thing, or the difficult thing, is that Card- Cardinal Newman went on to say a bunch more stuff about um, well forming your conscience, about uh, what it is to have a conscience that actually bends and in, in is, is shaped by God himself and by the Church. So there's all these other pieces here. So I can't just pull out the term conscience and say, well, if my conscience tells me that this is okay, then it's okay that's not how conscience works and that's also not what conscience is. So what is conscience and what is conscience not? What is not conscience? What, it is, what is it and what is it not? Okay, here, here's what it's not. A con- my conscience — our conscience isn't our personal preference, right? Our conscience isn't our opinion. Like, so we look at this thing and say, well, I, I know the Church says that that's wrong, but I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> no, this is very important because that happens a lot. Well, the Church says that X is wrong, but I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't see why. Therefore, I can do X. That is not one, that's not following one's own conscience. That is doing what one wants to do. That is very, very, very clear. Very important to understand this. In fact, a well-formed conscience will more often convict a person of their sin and more often, um, I guess we might say like compel a person towards repentance than affirm them in what their actions are. Right, So this is important. A lively conscience will more often convict you of what's wrong and call you on to do what's right than will just kind of affirm you in doing like, oh yeah, this, this, seems, this seems right. Um, in fact, even more, the voice in, voices inside of us, right? Like, um, is, that, is that my conscience? Is that the original aboriginal vicar of Christ? It also could be the voice of the flesh, which is my fallen human nature. It also could be the voice of the evil one, the liar. It could be the voice of the world that's influenced me so to such a degree that, yeah, the world says this, this thing is not a sin, so clearly it's not a sin. I have no problem with that. If our conscience is going to be the aboriginal vicar of Christ, it's going to be the voice of God living inside of us, that necessitates a couple things. Well, one, it necessitates we understand who we are. And who we are is we are born out of relationship with God. well, this is, this is, We're going to talk some original sin here. None of us are born in right relationship with God. It's the result of the original sin or the original wound that we all inherit. And so we're born out of right relationship with God. We have to be brought into right relationship with God. We are not born under the dominion of Jesus himself as the Lord. We have to submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to Jesus in faith and hope and love, with him as our Lord. In fact, even St. Paul goes so far as this — well, Jesus goes — Scripture goes so far as to say that you actually have to die. Like the old you has to die. Those old desires, they have to be converted into, into new desires. Those old ways of thinking have to be transformed. In fact, what St. Paul says, he says, do not conform yourself to this present age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, that is a painful process. It means I have to stop thinking like myself in some ways, stop thinking like the world, and has to start thinking like God. again. It involves a death. And so if I would say like, oh yeah, my my conscience is well-formed, but I haven't undergone a death, like I haven't undergone the decision to place myself, my mind, my actions, my will, everything under Jesus Christ's dominion, then it is very unlikely (laughs) that my conscience is well-formed. It's very unlikely that the aboriginal vicar of Christ, the voice of Christ, is going to be loud enough in my own heart. Again, keep this in mind, a well-formed conscience is not just like, yeah, know, I, mean, I know what the Catechism is, I know what the Bible is, more or less. A, consci- a well-formed conscience means that I have spent time in prayer, listening to God's voice, reading his word, letting his church form the way I think and look at myself, look at God himself, look at the world. I've allowed this to happen and again, here's this key thing, I have died to myself in this process. Like, I have died to myself in this process. That is absolutely required. If I haven't done that, again, this, this is kind of one of those key things. If I haven't done that, then my conscience is likely not very well formed. Even further, if my conscience or what I think, like what, what I think, basically, comes into conflict with what the church teaches or what scripture teaches and reveals, then in those cases, It is very. It's most like, likely that my conscience needs the forming, not the church's teaching needing changing. Does that make sense? Again, again, this is so critical. Um, Our conscience more often binds us to something to do something than it does release us from the obligation. I mean, this is really important. Uh, I said that twice, I guess. Our, Our conscience more often is concerned with our duties or our responsibilities than it is with our rights. Like, I get to do this. In fact, a well-formed conscience is more preoccupied with the question, what does God want, than with the question, what do I want? A well-formed conscience is more preoccupied with the question, what does God want, than with the question, what do I want? Because we realize this. Our conscience, we can feign ignorance. Like we can feign like, I didn't know that's what God wanted. We could also have a hardness, a, hard- a hardness of heart inside of us that says, Well, I know, but like I just can't seem to bring myself to this or I just can't see it. We all have this fallen human nature. We all have this desire. Why? Because we all have the pride and we all have the ego. We realize, right? We, our conscience, we can feign ignorance. We can pretend like, Oh, I didn't know what God wanted. I didn't know that was that serious. Or we can even have hardness of heart. And this is that sense of like, well, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I think I want to do what I want to do. Why? Because we're all the same. We all have the same stupid ego and the same stupid pride that just doesn't want someone else telling us what to do. And so conscience is not an escape clause. Conscience, in fact, is 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 almost giving, giving us the— Church, in pointing out conscience, is giving us the responsibility to say, actually, you have a duty, you have a responsibility, you know, to act in a certain way that is in accordance with how God has revealed himself in sacred scripture and in sacred tradition and through the teaching of the Church. It does not give us permission to to make ourselves the exception, as we've talked about in another video. This whole thing reminds me of, uh, at the end of the day, what something G.K. Chesterton had said. He was a convert to the Catholic Church a bunch of years ago, and one of the things he said was, we don't want, we don't need a church that is right when we're right. We need a church that is right where we're wrong. And that's what I think all of us need. This whole idea that like I can say like, well, I can dismiss with this church teaching or that church teaching because, um, well, my conscience tells me that's okay. That's just baloney. Also, here's the other thing. Here's a quick last thing. Um, you saw, I've talked to people who say, like, well, the priest told me that was fine. So a priest told me we should go ahead and do this thing and so we did the thing and now here we are. And it's it's fine, though, because a priest told me to do it. No, no, just like our consciences can be malformed, there are priests that can be malformed. And if the, you know what the church teaches and this priest says, oh, but the church teaching will change in the future, do not listen to him. Please, 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 please. I know that we should be able to, to, to trust the teaching of our local pastors and all that kind of stuff, but if you ever hear either your interior voice or the voice of a priest or someone in authority saying, in this case, you're the exception, in this case, go ahead and do the thing, the Church will change its teaching, just turn around, walk away, and get some better advice. I'm so sorry about that because I know it's that, that kind of bad advice has destroyed the lives of so many people. Um, yeah, wow, I kind of ended on a real sour note, didn't we? Well, we certainly did, but at least it's nice outside and we're in the middle of Lent right now. I want to invite you to like or subscribe or smash the like button. I already said that. Smash like. We just click the like button. From all of us here at Presents, oh my gosh, from all, from all, I can say it, from all of us here at Essential Presents, my name is Father Mike. God bless. Oh my goodness. I just don't even know. This is so long. Wasn't wasn't it super long? Oh my gosh. Terrible.